What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 59.3. And we're continuing and finishing our playthrough of the Super NES Classic Earthbound. Uh, today I have with me Matt. Hello. And yeah, just finished. I finished it yesterday on the 4th of July. Matt just finished it moments ago. Moments ago. Yeah. You've seen the credits, right? I've seen the credits. Uh, I watched multiple sets of credits. Even mm -hmm. saw a tiny little post-credit scene. Yep. So I, I've seen everything this game wants to show me, I think. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, the last thing we did, we were in uh, the desert, right? And we, uh, I think so. Scarabba yeah. does it. Yeah, and uh, Pooh left the party uh, to go train somewhere. So we have to make it back to the town, but in order for us to do that, we have to go through a dungeon, uh, a very strange dungeon. Uh, it looks like a giant statue of a, like a robot thing, but it's actually a living thing. It's also the Dungeon Man, which we've ran into before. He is, yeah, he wanted to be a dungeon, right? Yeah, he wanted to turn into a dungeon. So he finally got his wish. And um, we have to go through him. Um, but after going through the uh, the dungeon, he actually becomes a party member for a while. Uh, and he's a very strong party member. I guess. I mean, I didn't really... He didn't do much for me. Oh, he did like three, four hundred damage every time he did a turn. Yeah, I mean, he did a lot, but I felt like I, while I was waiting for him to throw his punches, I was getting pummeled by the bad guys. Yeah. So I only did a couple of fights, and I said, you know, I'd rather just avoid a few at the moment. <laughs> uh, but he gets stuck in between some trees, and we have to continue without him. But we go back to him very soon. I feel like he could easily stomp over those trees too. He's he's actually much bigger than the trees. Yeah. Um but we we find out that we need to travel to the swamp land um which is accessible through uh the, I guess the the river that's there in the desert. Um like the, like the Nile? I guess. Is that where we are? We're in Egypt. I mean, I'm guessing so because of the pyramids, but All right. if, if we're assuming this is some kind of weird, cartoony abstraction of real places. Let's see, the um, the town where, where Ness is from and the surrounding towns uh, are in a place called Eagle Land. So that's supposed to be the United States. That makes sense. Right. Um, but yeah, we have to return back to the Dungeon Man... And uh, he says he has a submarine inside uh, his his body that we can use. So we then had to crawl, dungeon crawl our way back up to where the uh, the submarine is, and then we can take it to get to the swamplands. Um, going through the swamplands, there's a the very important thing is that when you're traveling through there. Uh, th it's not poison. As long as you're walking through it, it damages you. Right? Well, as long as it's like over your head, it damages you, right? 
I guess. So I think when you're in the shallow parts, you're fine. Right. But you move it's slower. Just yeah. Drowning. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're going through here to, uh, get to a tribal town. Um, God, this is, this game is just so freaking weird. Yeah. With what we're supposed to do. Cause we haven't went to a sanctuary location in a very long time. And we're like, that's the thing is like the reason why we went to the pyramid was to get the Hawkeye and the Hawkeye. Yeah, that's that's the very gamey reason for going there. Yeah. Why do we actually go there? Who knows? We, well, we go there to get the Hawkeye so that we can then use it to go through the, the swamp because when you go through the swamp, it's very dark and you have to use the Hawkeye to light up the way. Um, Nobody knew we had to go through the swamp. So Nobody we, knew there was even a uh, Hawkeye in the pyramid when yeah, we went there. Because exactly. I know. Yeah. So I'll be honest with you. I'm just going by a fact at this point. Yeah. I I, I had to. As we've doesn't really make any sense, but that's okay. At least in my book. It's not really. It's not really what I'm what we're playing the game for. So true. It doesn't make any sense. I don't see how you could play this game without a fact yeah, at all. I don't see how anybody could actually figure this stuff out. I mean, way back in, I would be stuck in like Tucson still. Yeah, I would too. And I would have abandoned this game long, long ago, but that's, uh, you know, we'll get to that discussion. So, um, after making it through the uh, the swamp, we do have a boss fight. Um, when we make it through that boss fight, um, Pooh shows back up. So he's not gone very long. And he's learned a new ability called Star Storm. Which actually does a lot of damage to all the enemies on screen. Yeah, who is finally uh, sort of justifying his existence? Yeah, but actually, he did basically as soon as he won that or learned that second uh, teleport. Oh yeah, because man, that first teleport's horrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so we make it to this cave that has these little small guys. What are they? You remember what they're called? The tendas. Tendas. There you go. Uh, Although going back to that teleportation, there must be there must be some examples of this. I'm not sure why I can't think of a real good one off the top of my head, but having a power like that, but having it come with such an intense negative side effect that you might not want to use it. You know, I'm just I'm just thinking about in this case, you know, how much would it suck to be able to teleport somewhere? But never have the space to actually do it in real life. But there, there must be some stories where powers are sort of balanced out with drawbacks. I'm not sure why I can't think of a good one, but they must exist, right? I mean, I don't know about in this game. No, not in this game. I mean, in a, just in popular culture. I mean, abusing... Special powers usually comes with a consequence, as they say. Um, 
but with this one, it it feels like it's kind of a must because there's places that we have to like you know eventually we have to go all the way back to Wanette. And if I didn't have the teleport, that would take me hours to get back to. Yeah. Yeah. It would be awful. Yeah. But, uh, so we make it to the Tenda village and all the Tendas that live there are very shy and they won't talk to you. They'll let you use your stuff. Like, you know, uh, there's a hotel you can use for free and I think you can buy stuff. But nobody um, really wants to talk to you, except for the village chief. Um, so, and he tells us that there was a book that helped overcome shyness. Uh, but he needs to. He doesn't know where it's at. So we have that's our next clue as to where to go. Um, because there is a sanctuary location actually right here in Tenda Village. We just can't get to it yet. So. I can't remember where we go to next from here. Uh, we, we take a weird little detour back to Dr. And Donut's lab. Okay. To get the eraser eraser. Right. Which I guess is supposed to be funny because we've been erasing these giant steel pencils. Now we can erase an eraser. Right. That's that. Uh, we're going back to Stonehenge. Yep, because there is yeah, a, there's yeah. a yeah there's a dungeon below Stonehenge. Yep, uh, um, which is actually uh, it, that's a sanctuary location, right? Or no? There's two sanctuary locations left. Yeah, one's at Stonehenge, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's in that place under Stonehenge. Right. And talk about a long ass fucking dungeon, man. This one, yeah. This one took me like a couple of like play sessions to do because I, I went through it. I got about halfway and, and I was like, okay, I need to grind here, which is what I did. I spent like almost an, an entire play session just going into that dungeon grinding and, uh, allowing myself to die. So that way I can just, you know, come back, still have all that experience and stuff like that. Um, I yeah, found, the, I, the game actually does facilitate grinding even again. I don't know if we specifically said that there's so many places in this game where you get free recoveries, free yeah. hotel stays, basically. And so and good. That, that makes it so much easier to grind because grinding in this game would be impossible if you if, if every time you were grinding you were using up all of your your healing items and such to, to end up coming out with a, a, a net benefit in the end. It would be so much tougher, but the fact that you can get free healing in so many places really, uh, really means when you find a good grinding place and it's right next to a healing place, you know, I, I don't want to leave that place for uh, an hour or so. Yeah. So, um, but going through this dungeon, which takes a really long time, we're starting to run into like more difficult enemies. Enemies that basically, they don't kill you like in one hit, but they're like, they debilitate you to the point where like they're useless. Yeah, you become you can become diamondized here. Yeah. Now Ness's healing yeah. can't fix that though. The, uh, the top end healing can. The second to the top, I believe. Okay. Oh, I wonder if I could have been using that the whole time then, because I've been using Pooh's top end healing to revive dead characters. Yes. Um, and that is 
so good. Luckily, I had a lot of a lot of those life noodles that I could use. Yeah. Um, like toward the end of this game, I started ending up running out of inventory space, and uh, it was kind of getting on my nerves because you know it, it, because not only are there certain things that you have to have equipped and nested in order to use them out in the field, you know, there's other things like healing items. You can you can always use a healing item on another person, but then whenever you start getting into equipment, you have to then transfer it over, then equip it to the person, and it's just a lot of time-consuming stuff. Yeah. There was one point in this game where... <clears throat> Excuse me. Towards the end here somewhere, I had to call Escargo Express like six times. <laughs> Basically, I had to do four trips because they can only take three items at a time. So I had them take... I think a full 12 items out of my, away from my characters. And then I had to have them bring back that stupid exit mouse because once again, I couldn't use the one I came across. So I just said, screw it. I'm never letting this mouse out of my sight again. <laughs> uh, and then, and then I think I just did it one more time to get rid of a few more items, but you know, it, it was a bit tedious to have to call it so many times. I mean, I guess I just could have ditched them or sold them somewhere, but, you know, I was by a phone and I didn't necessarily want to get rid of stuff. Although, you know, having finished the game now, there's a lot of things in this game that really aren't of any value. Like any, there's no reason to sell anything by the end of this game because you get so much money from killing enemies. Yeah. That, you know, I'm trying to buy the best weapons in the game that for, for Jeff there, those multi, multi rockets, multi bottle rockets. Yeah. And they're they're nothing. I mean, there's money's not a concern. Yeah, that's one of the good things that I um I really liked about it was just like not only do you see level progression, but you also see like ah, I don't really have to worry about money anymore and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't know if there was ever a time in the game I really had to. I mean, maybe in the first couple hours where buying a few life items would make the difference. Yeah. A few extra hamburgers, but. For, you know, for most of this game, there's really no point to sell anything. I mean, I guess some of the – no, even even the more valuable things, I mean, you might sell them for a few thousand dollars. But, you know, I've got hundreds of thousands in the bank. So, you know, an extra couple of thousand for selling a diamond band or something isn't even a requirement. Yeah. So um... did you get – so wh- one other question in this section. So in this this – dungeon and i think the next dungeon i don't know if you saw it in the fact but there's a very low percentage chance that some enemies can drop two of the unique items for poo uh yes um uh the sword i did not get uh i was able to uh equip him with an arm chest and other piece uh but i never got a sword yeah, I never, the sword is from this dungeon. I never got one of those. Yeah. And then I forget what's in the next dungeon, but I never got that one either. But, um, yeah, see, Pooh is, is such a strange character. If you equip him with other items, they lower his stats. There's only a specific set of stuff that you can actually use that help him. Yeah, only there's only four items total in the game, right? One yeah. free slot. Mm-hmm. So, um... I uh we're going through this one and we get to the sanctuary spot and I can't even remember the boss I believe was was that the one with the uh 
the dog that turned into a diamond dog? No, this is a Starman Deluxe. Starman Deluxe. Yeah, because we see, you know, we get to the finally to the bottom of this dungeon, and there's a bunch of people in tubes. Right. So this isn't a sanctuary location. Uh, no, not yet. Yeah, this is just to rescue the people in the tubes. Yeah. Uh, the um, the aliens have taken uh, a bunch of people hostage, including like Apple Kid, and I think is Doctor Hand Donuts here too. Uh, shit. I didn't think it was him, but... Yeah, because he wasn't in Stonehenge, or, or he wasn't in the lab at Stonehenge. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, must have been him. So we, we defeat the deluxe star man, and then we rescue all the people. Uh, that... You can tell we're certainly getting to the end of the game here, because then we start to travel back to, see, you know, some... Traveling back to some previous cities just to wrap some things up and to get some key pieces before the end game. So you, can, right. you can definitely, it feels like we're getting to the end of the game here. Because as soon as we beat that deluxe star man, it lets Apple Kid out and he tells us where the book is that we're looking for, the right. book of overcoming shyness. That's true. Um, so yeah, uh, that's where we go. We go to the library in Onet. I keep calling it Onet. Uh, Onet. Um, to get the book, we then take it to Tenda Village, and we cure them of their shyness. And uh, we go and talk to uh, the strong one who moves a rock in the village, and we go down this hole, which then takes us to the underworld. Uh. Is this the underworld? I don't think so. I think they call this Lumine Hall. I think it's just before we get to the. It's just like a dungeon before we get to the. Uh, before we get to the the underground. Okay. Yeah. This is where the sanctuary location is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is where we fight the diamond dog, right? Uh, is, that the the last, is that the last one? Yeah, this is the Electro Spectre. Right. You need to have that, like, Franklin badge. Yeah, the Franklin quit. badge, yeah. Which, we got that early, early on, and that thing has saved my skin so many times. Yep. Uh, so, it's funny, because not much in this game actually does hold up. Most of the times, it just gets replaced by something better. There's not a lot of sort of lower-end gear that's of any value towards the end of the game. Although, I I don't think I talked about this in the last episode. I had one real problem. Somewhere around this point in the, in the dungeon in the game, I had gotten a new bat for Ness called the Casey Bat. I don't know if you, if you got that one and equipped it. I got it, but saw that the fact said never equip it. So I never equipped yeah. it. I must have missed that part because I couldn't figure out what was going on. I'm like, I can't finish this game if, you know, my NES is broken. <laughs> he's not. He's definitely not a super NES. He's just a regular ass shit ass NES, and uh, he just would always miss. Like nine out of ten times, he would miss. I didn't know what. I had no idea what it was until all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, I got to figure out what's going on here. 
I'm just googling like an like an old person. Like, what's wrong with Ness? Why won't he hit anybody? <laughs> yep, Casey at the bat, man. Yeah, struck out constantly. Yep, that's uh, the day. But you eventually get the ultimate bat, which is fantastic. And then later on, you upgrade to the legendary bat, which I think is the most powerful bat in the game. The Casey bat is the most powerful one in the game. But it only has a twenty five percent chance to hit. Yeah, it feels like a five percent chance. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we uh, take on the sanctuary uh, boss here. Um, and this is—is is this the one where the the letters are showing up on the screen? Yeah, like a light, right? Yeah. So uh, when we go to the sanctuary location, um, there's words. It's like it's like a cave, and on the wall, there's like gems that sparkle, and they show up words, and it's basically reading what Ness is saying. Um, which is kind of like a funny little thing. But what was the location itself? Like, what was the? You remember what it was? The actual, like, what had the sound in it? Because I can't think of it for oh, the life know. of me. Uh, that's a good question. Can't remember. Yeah, nope. Not a clue. Okay. I don't know if it was just when we walked up to the wall that happened. I don't think there was an object like there was in most of the other ones. I thought there was. I could be wrong, though. Um, well, we record the seventh sound, only one more to go. Um, and that one is on the way. So when we continue on down this cave here, it eventually takes us out to the underworld. Um, and the underworld is, I guess the map is zoomed out so far because we are so small compared to everything else. Yeah. I think because the enemies are like dinosaurs, it's kind of like a... They call it the Lost Underworld. It's like a prehistoric area, I guess. Yeah. So um, we're running around this giant map as very small specks. And um, there is... uh, There's nothing much here. There's a couple of Tenda guys here. Yeah, I I had heard about this place like in, in references to the game. And... I kind of thought it was going to be a much bigger part of the game than it was. You think so? I thought so. I mean, the whole thing only took maybe an hour, a few minutes. I mean, I just kind of passed through it. Yeah. There's really not much to do in this area. What did you hear? No, nothing. Just references. Oh, and you, and you go to this area. You know, you go to the Lost Underworld, and oh, there's big, you know, there's dinosaurs. Well. I mean, we, uh, we don't stay here long. It's basically just trying to get to the last sanctuary location. Yeah. And moreover, you don't really do anything important. No, there's no, there's no, uh, I mean, there is a very small village there that allow you to like buy stuff and, um, you know, sleep and stuff like that. Yeah. I couldn't figure out how to get through this section at one point though, because I thought that there's no way you'd be able to fight a dinosaur since they're so big. Right. But then there was one part part where you can't get to. I think it was one of Pooh's items. 
not a, a tiara or a Theodora or something. I don't even know what it is or what it was called. Maybe that was before. Right. It was a different one. Anyway, I did take down a dinosaur, so kind of felt badass. Oh, yeah. I took down a bunch of them uh, and used just regular strikes against them because these guys are – these four kids are bona fide badasses at this point for me. Yeah, punching dinosaurs to death. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, needless to say, we go through the underworld and make it to the final sanctuary location, which is a dungeon, relatively small for the most part. Um, but it's, uh, kind of like a, the inside of a volcano, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Yeah, I guess though. So. I think that's, that's what it is. There's lava everywhere. Yeah, they call it a fire spring, but I don't know what a fire spring would be other than a volcano. All right. Uh, and there's enemies here that are really weird, like crazy psychic people. So it looks like a man in a business suit, but he's got like this headset on that covers his eyes (laughs) and you don't kill them. It's not, they don't say they're defeated. They say they just return to normal. Yeah. So fucking weird. This game. It's almost like you're hallucinating again or something. Yeah. So, um, we make it to the 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 final boss of the final sanctuary location, which is now the diamond dog. So it starts off as a carbon dog, and when you do enough <laughs> damage to it, it turns into a diamond dog. Not all I could think of was Connor. Well, the, I, all I thought of was fucking Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, <laughs> with the the fucking diamond dogs, but um, I didn't find this spot. Like at this point, there's no fight that's actually difficult for me. I mean, I've got I've got nest to the to the high sixties level, and most yeah. and, and going through the fact they suggest that nest be probably around sixty one at this point. So I'm way over leveled, especially for nest. And I don't know. I just feel like I'm really well equipped at the point. So yeah, I didn't have any troubles here in the in the very last sections of the game. It- there were some enemies I thought that were brutally hard, but nothing right here I thought was all that hard. Yeah. So, um, I beat the diamond dog. We record the final, uh, melody. And, um, yeah, it makes Nesco comatose. <laughs> um, so when he gets all the melodies, he basically has an internal conflict going on in his mind. And it's basically like he's, he's going through his own mind, trying to figure out what exactly he has to do. Uh, he sees his mom there and pretty much everybody who's ever been in his life, except for his dad. We never see his dad. Yeah. I wonder if there's any kind of implication there. Well, there are, theories about who his dad is and a lot of people think that his dad is actually Ninten from the first mother game <laughs> it's never referenced but they, they think that some people think that some kind of name too yeah um so uh I mean we, we basically just go through his own subconscious uh there are some weird enemies here 
he is alone in this, so there's no other party members. Um, yeah, because he kind of passed out when he heard all the melodies, and I thought I thought the melodies were going to kind of fit together somehow. How you? How do you mean? I don't know. I guess to make a song or something, but they didn't really. Yeah, they did. It was just, well, they did, but it was just kind of notes. I don't know. Uh, we'll go back to that in a minute. Um, but um, what was the boss of this area? I can't even remember. Uh, well, we have to go through. There's a few other sections. You go through the area with the krakens. Yeah. The city of Eden. And then when you get to the end, isn't it? Well, at one point you meet yourself, although I don't think you fight yourself. No. You end up with just a uh, one of those many, many statues on that little island. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Golden Island. Um, you have to fight it. And it has all the abilities of Ness. Wait, yeah, so it is you. It's like your it's your evil half, your nightmare half. Yeah. Um so it you know, it can use Psy Rockin and stuff like that. This fight wasn't difficult, but it was most certainly time consuming, and it was one of those where since I only had one party member, um I was constantly trying to manage my hit point counter. Yeah. And this was the one of the very few fights that I was kind of playing by the seat of my pants. Yeah, I was going to say, this was maybe my favorite fight of the game just because of that. Yeah. It, you know, most of the fights in this game, either you get unlucky or and you get hit and die, or you're so overpowered you just blow through somebody. This one had a lot more back and forth. Like, you really were trying to time, all right, when do I use a health item? You know, how much time do I have before my life rolls down to zero? Can I get one more attack in before I use the health item? And I thought that was really cool. It really emphasized one of the unique parts of this game, which to to this point has been there, but it's never been sort of critical to manage it. Right. Um, but yeah, it was constantly... I got I took mortal damage, but I can get like three hits in before I have to heal myself, which I kept, yeah. I kept doing. <laughs> and it was great. Like, I, I, I was surprised. I was like, ooh, this may actually be kind of tough. But I, I beat it in the first try. Um... And we beat the evil half of Ness's subconscious, and Ness wakens, and um, we travel back to Saturn Valley. Yep. Because, so, go ahead. At, at that point, also, your soundstone is gone. So, was the whole point of getting that thing so that it would make you pass out and deal with your internal issues? I think so. Because we're getting into, the, well, we'll we'll come back to that because there is a theory I read up on. Because I had I had to investigate the ending of this game, and uh, we'll come back to that in a minute, which is coming up. This is the final stretch of the game. Um, basically, we go to uh, we go back to Saturn Valley and uh, Doctor Ann Donuts says that he has created a basically a time machine that allows them to go back in time. The reason why we need to go back in time is because Gygus, the alien invader, is far too strong 
for us to fight in this present time. So what we can do is travel back in time to when Gygus was young and not powerful, and we can destroy him then. Now we have to get one last piece to fix the the time machine, which we have to go back to one at and get a meteorite piece from the piece of meteor that crashed at the very beginning of the game. Um, not much here. There's a few enemies running around. I didn't have too many problems with this. Um, but we eventually take that piece of meteorite back to Dr. Andonuts and he puts it, fixes the time machine and we can go through time to do the final battle with Gygus. There's a couple of things which I feel like are stupid. <laughs> the first part is he says that we can't go back in time using our bodies because of what was the reasoning? It, it, at one point they just said it would kill, you know, it would it would kill organic life or something. Right. So, kind of like the what, the opposite of the terminator? <laughs> I guess. It can only it can only do sort of organic. Right. So he proposes that we take all our party members and originally he said brains and put them inside of robots. But then I'm guessing it's just our spirit or soul? Yeah, in my mind it was brain scans like in I don't know if you've seen the movie The Sixth Day with Schwarzenegger right where they take like a a snapshot of your brain so it's like uploading our consciousness to a robot yeah. body yeah okay um so we travel back through time and are in robot bodies so we can go and fight Gygus. All right. <laughs> it's, at this point in the game, it's par for the course. Exactly. But it's just, I just find it strange. Yeah. Um, this, not even really a dungeon, it's straightforward. Uh, These are I had a fucking tough time with, though. Really? One, one unlucky set of hits in, in this, and I would lose two party members immediately. Wow, really? Yeah. Um I was I was smooth sailing from here. Uh every, every time so there was the one the one I called him the fat robot, but the round one that would always explode. I think that was in this section. They, they were the ones that healed guys, right? Yeah, I think they would heal guys, but then when you killed them, they would explode. They would explode. Okay, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about now. Those ones would, would wipe out at least one party member every time they died, so hopefully there was no one else alive so that the fight would essentially end when I killed them. Or, I don't remember, is this a section that had, like, the Electro guys? Maybe. I can't remember. I thought, there were, I thought this was the section where there were also, like, the the human-shaped lightning bolts, and they would always do the lightning attack that would hit for multi either multiple people and or multiple rounds right. of hits. So I, I would often lose a person every time they would attack. Hmm. 
And yeah, I, I, I made it through, but basically what I did is I would just do a fight and if it came out well, I would save it. <laughs> right. And you know, if I lost a character, I would just re- reset it. And I had to kind of go through stepwise one, one fight at a time through the section because it was, it, it was wiping me out. Hmm. But I, uh, I didn't have any problem with that. Um, eventually we make it to Gygus. So there's, should I get into the theories now or should I wait until after we, because it's all about Gygus. Yeah. Uh, might as well. I mean, now, I mean, doesn't, he looks like, I don't know what to, Sets of intestines and an anus. <laughs> so it looks like. Let me look this up. I know his typing is probably horrible. Yeah. So again, that's the, so there was this was the tough part of the game for me because I thought the fights leading up to Gygus were so hard, but then Gygus himself wasn't, and so it, it's kind of weird how my perception of the end of this game would have been totally different. I guess had I been equipped differently or prepared differently. Because I thought it was really strange to have the boring nothingness level that leads up to the end boss be so difficult and then have the end boss himself be so easy. Right. And so to me, that was such a weird, almost anticlimactic finish to the game. Yes. Um, so let's just talk about uh, the, the fight itself. When we reach Gygus, there's a three rounds of this. Uh, the first one, we're actually targeting a different character. We're not targeting Gygus. We're targeting uh, Pokey. Pokey. So Pokey is there. He is heavily armored. Uh, looks like he's wearing... Uh, he's, he's like in a... He almost looks like... um. God, what's his name? Um, Dr. Wily in one of his crazy inventions. <laughs> it's like he's in a robotic spider-looking thing. Yeah, I was going to call it a bone spider. Yeah. So, um, but he tells us that uh, he found Gygus, and while everybody thinks Gygus is like this big, scary, uh, intelligent monstrosity, he's actually an idiot. <laughs> he's just a really powerful idiot, and come to find out, Pokey has been pulling the strings the whole time. Um, and so he's utilizing Gygus's power and te- basically telling it what to do. Yeah, and he, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I must have missed that part because well, what I remember was I thought he said that he had like nurtured Gygus and that Gygus used to be the master of evil, but had recently merged with that evil to become the ultimate evil. Right. So is he still is he still telling Gygus what to do? Or was he up until the point that he became this ultimate badass evil thing? Mm. I thought, yeah, I didn't really get as much out of their relationship as I thought I would. I wasn't... I don't know. I, I thought there was going to be more explanation there. So, um, we fight, 
luckily I'm going by a fact here and Pokey is actually very susceptible to paralyze and I paralyzed mm-hmm. him on the first turn and he can't do jack shit for the rest of the fight. <laughs> um, I did not either. Yeah. So I, I beat the crap out of him. The second stage of it, Pokey then basically releases Gygus. Gygus is, he, he flips the switch and Gygus comes to attack us. So this is where we try and do as most, the most damage we can to Gygus before his final transformation. Um, I didn't have any problems here. I actually got to the second part, not even realizing it. Um, and so I was already in phase three by the time I had probably done two rounds. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm a little confused then if Pokey was pulling the strings because I thought the whole reason he left was because he was so scared of Gygus. I don't, he he kept talking about how scary Gygus was and he was going to scare all the characters, but even he himself was so scared that he had to run away. Okay. So since we're getting into it, we'll just, we'll talk about how we beat Gygus in a second, but let's talk about the beginning of Gygus here. Gygus is actually in the first mother game. So, uh, Gygus. That's on what, the NES? Yes. So, Gygus was an alien raised from infancy by a woman named Maria and her husband George, both of whom were abducted from Earth in the early 1900s. During this time, George studied the aliens' psychic powers without their permission, culminating with his sudden return to Earth. The couple raised the infant Gygus as their own son, and he became especially close to Maria. However, what now? They raised him on Earth. Yes. However, due to George's betrayal, he, when he matured, Gygus was tasked by his people to ensure that psychic powers could not be used against them by humans. Gygus did not want to betray those who raised him, particularly Maria, but was forced to attack Earth regardless to claim his knowledge back. In the end, he was forced to detach himself from Maria and begin preparations for the invasion of Earth. Eighty years later, the invasion begins, and Gygus is confronted by the great-grandson of Maria and George, Ninten, and his companions. Gygus' influence is seen across the land as inanimate objects come to life, animals turn vicious, and strange aliens begin to inhabit the Earth. During the final confrontation, Gygus, still hurt by the loss of Maria, offers Ninten to come with him back to his home planet. Ninten declines this offer, and Gygus continues to attack. Ninten and his friends quickly prove no match for Gygus. They resort to singing a lullaby, once shared between Maria and Gygus, and the com- comforting memories he had suppressed weaken Gygus. His guilt and love for Maria distresses him, and he is forced to surrender and retreat, but not before promising Ninten that he will return. That's where the lullaby comes in, that fucking melody. Mm. So in Earthbound... Yeah, all, all that stuff you just mentioned was the, was the first game, though, right? Yes, that was from the first game. So in Earthbound, uh, or Mother 2... Gygus returns to Earth many years later in 1990X as the primary antagonist of Earthbound, though he vastly differs from his appearance in Earthbound beginnings. 
ten years in the future, Gygus has taken over the earth and sent all it into darkness. He discovers the apple of enlightenment, which prophesizes his defeat at the hands of Ness. And so he travels back into the past in order to stop Ness. In the present day, his influence is spreading over Eagle Land, in particular to Ness's neighbor, Pokey Minch. Pokey becomes one of Gygus's main agents in the attack against Ness, aided by his jealousy of Ness. Gygus, already unstable from his guilt surrounding the loss of Maria, exerts such tremendous evil power that it destroys his entire being, including his mind, causing him to become undefiable by human standards. As such, Gygus manifests as what can only be described as pure evil. In Pokey Minch's words, he is the evil power. Due to the loss of his mind, Gygus becomes irrational and incapable of thought. To rectify this, Pokey seals him in the devil's machine so that he can, so that his power would be contained and his mind kept intact. In the final battle, Pokey attests that Gygus isn't aware of himself or of what he's doing, referring to him as an almighty idiot. Now wielding a vast cosmic power, which is too un he is unable to control, Gygus becomes a threat to the existence of the universe itself. To stop him, one of the only known beings to manage to escape destruction in the future, an alien insect named Buzz Buzz, haha, we're going back to that, uh, warns Ness of the impending catastrophe. Ness is given the soundstone and is instructed to record the eight melodies in order to gain the power of Earth and be strong enough to face Gygus. Gygus' influence is further seen through the world, mainly in the form of enemies that Ness encounters. Now existing as the whole of evil power in the universe, Gygus is able to manipulate the evil in the minds of living beings, both human and animal, and can apparently manipulate even forms of inanimate objects. Ness and his friends, known in the prophecy as the Chosen Four, are forced to abandon their bodies and travel into the past in order to attack Gygus in the Cave of the Past. In the final battle, Gygus is held within the Devil's Machine, which was created to contain Gygus' tremendous power. During the battle, Pokey shuts the machine off, causing all of Gygus' power to be unleashed. The event surrounds the four children in a chaotic, bizarre dimension of darkness. His attacks are random and incomprehensible, and his speech is erratic and mindless. Although Gygus was too powerful for Ness, his friends, and his friends to overcome by fighting, he is eventually defeated by Paula after she calls out to the people of Earth to pray. And combined prayers reach Gygus and exploit his weakness. The same human emotion that weakened him in Earthbound 1 or mother one, he breaks up and is reduced to nothingness and his apocalyptic future is erased. Hmm. So that is how you kill Gaius. So two, two questions there. Sure. The melodies, it, it's, it's said in that description that it, you had to get those eight melodies to get the power of earth. It didn't necessarily, it didn't say, to link back to your childhood. So do, do we know or do we assume that those are the same melodies from the lullaby that was sang to Gygus by Maria? I'm guessing. Because that that seems like it hurts him or if it doesn't hurt him, it gives Ness the power. But then separately, if it's the people of Earth praying together with Paula that actually weakens Gygus or directly hurts him as well? I think it directly like hurts him as well. Those things don't seem to 
have anything to do with the Maria Gygus relationship either, do they? I don't know. None of this is shown throughout the game. Yeah. Nothing from Earthbound or, or nothing from Mother One is talked about in Earthbound. Yeah, and what you read was ridiculous, but it, it made a lot more sense than this game did. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I got the theory. There's another theory. Since we're going back to the past and Gygus is young, in fact, when you fight him, they have alluded to it looks like a fetus, right? There is a theory going around saying that the ending of this game is basically us aborting Gygus before he's even born. Oh, wow. It's fucking weird. People have taken an already weird game and making it weirder. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can make sense of the ending in the same way you can some other games. So, I did see another little factoid about this because I, I was kind of fascinated by it once I started reading up on it. Uh, the developer of this game, the creator of this game, he made the fight deliberately creepy and strange. It is that. There's like, I don't, not psychic, but like kaleidoscopic skulls. I don't, I don't want to say demons, but there's like skulls in the background. Yeah. Um, he, he deliberately made it that way because he said that it wanted to be, he wanted to have it almost like a representation of an experience that he had as a child. So when he was a kid, he went to the movies and accidentally went into the wrong movie theater or the wrong, or the wrong screen. Mm-hmm. And he saw a movie that was, uh, not the one he was supposed to be seeing as a kid. And there was a scene where a woman was getting attacked by a man. Um, and he like, I don't, I don't, I've never seen the movie, but it, it's, it's described that he saw a woman in the movie get attacked and possibly raped. Did they say what movie it was? I no, I didn't I didn't see that. Hmm. Um but he said that that kind of freaked him out as a kid and he said it stuck with him and he said he wanted to have that kind of feeling when they went up against Gygus and Earthbound. Of kids kids basically going somewhere and doing something that they're not supposed to be doing as children. Yeah, I I mean, I I get that the scenery in the background may or may not have represented that, but I I don't think that the way this game is presented could elicit that emotion, at least not today. Maybe it could have in 93 or whenever this game came out. If I was 10 years old and I played this part of the game, it would freak me out. You think so? Oh, God, yeah. Because the music's fucking creepy and the imagery's fucking creepy. Absolutely. A kid, because like this game came out in 95, I was 10 years old. If I'd have sat down and played this when I was 10, that part right there would have freaked me out. But now it's just like, I, you don't even know what the hell you're looking at half the time. Yeah, I mean, there aren't even characters on the screen. Yeah. Not our characters, at least. It's just boxes with names in it. 
So, um, but yeah, that's how you defeat Gygus is that you have all your party members protect Paula as Paula prays for help. So funny note, Paula has had the ability to pray this entire game. I didn't know that Paula had the ability to pray this entire game until I reached this part and saw it in the fact. Oh, yeah, I've been using it the whole game. It's just kind of worthless for most of the game. Oh. It I, it just does random stuff. Really? Sometimes it'll give you back, it'll give everybody back five psychic points. Sometimes everybody will gain a little life. Sometimes the enemies and your characters will, I don't know, get dazed or something. Okay. So it, it's not always beneficial for you. It's not always negative for the bad guys. It's not always one-sided. It's kind of just, to me, it seemed like it was just kind of random. So I used it occasionally, but just to check it out more than to have it be effective in any given battle. Well, I never used it. Didn't even see it on the menu. Guess I just wasn't paying attention to it. Well, there was that. There was one other one that almost never really got used or specifically mentioned. It was Pooh's ability to do mirror. Right. I knew that one. Did you use it? Never. I used it once or twice, and it was weird because I'm pretty sure it said Pooh, like, turned into a version of the enemy. Or, like, just, like, became a a reflection of the enemy. Mm -hmm. And then did, like, 200 damage to the enemy, and that was it. Hmm. So, I'm not really sure what the point of it was as a whole separate thing. It wasn't even like a a magic ability that uses psychic points. It was just a a whole separate thing you could do on the selection. So you can you can mirror the enemy, but it didn't necessarily count as a spell or it wasn't an object. So I don't know. It, it was never really explained, I thought. Right? If if it was, I missed it. Never used it, so I didn't didn't really pay attention to it. Uh, same way with Jeff's spy ability. Yeah, that one I actually never did use because all, all it did was tell you like what their weakness is if they had one. So yeah, um, the rest of that fight is keeping Paula alive while Paula prays each round, and every time she prays, we get a small cutscene of. Pretty much everyone we've ever met in the world praying for Ness and his party's safety. Um, eventually, uh, it starts saying that she prays and the player, the person playing the game, which they've asked us twice what our name was. And I put in Drew and it says the Drew prayed from the bottom of his heart that all the party members were safe. Yeah. It was almost like narrated. It was like Drew had never prayed for them before, but started to pray. Yeah. And, uh, we do that three times and then Gygus is defeated. He dissipates into nothing. Uh, afterwards we cut back to present day and our, 
spirit, subconscious soul, whatever you want to call it, comes back into everyone's bodies. And this part kind of, this part just made me think it's an, it's a super NES game. What was I expecting? Yeah. But it basically ends with all your party members saying, well, I'm going home. See ya. Yep. That's it. That was fun. Yep. Pooh's like, all right, I'm going back to Delam. See you guys. And then Jeff's like, hey, you guys are great. See ya. Going back to yeah. dinners. If you guys get married, I'll be there to fix your appliances. Yeah. <laughs> and then leaves. And then uh, Paula asked Ness to escort her back home, which I do. Didn't take too long because I was teleported. Yep. Uh, dropped her off at her house. Uh, she said, thank you and see you later. <laughs> and then we go back home and we talk to, uh, Ness's mom and she's so proud of us. Let's go make some steaks and, uh, we get credits. Um, the first set of credits are basically naming every fucking NPC in the game. <laughs> yep. And then the second round of credits is the actual credits, all of which are being played while you are scanning through a photo album of all the Mr. Photograph guy, all the pictures. Was, was, there, any, was there any point to those? Uh, that was just what was going to show up at the end of the game. It's one of the strangest choices in this whole game. Then I think because why, why you, yeah. So why did you interrupt the game so many times to have a character that doesn't otherwise exist in the game snap pictures, and the pictures have no point in the game except to be there during the credit crawl. That's it. So weird. But there is one last thing. There is a post-credit scene, and it starts off exactly like how the game began. Yep. The very, very first thing I did was look at my money in my life, and I'm like, all right, well, New Game Plus, let's, let's do this. That's what I was thinking, too. I was like, oh, this is New Game Plus, and it just starts you back over. Yeah, thank God I have at least, you know, I'm going to blow through these early levels. Look how much life I have. <laughs> so I, I ended the game at, like, level 84, I think. I think it was, like, 74. So, um, Ness wakes up to a knock at his door. Um, it's at night. And when you get to the door, it's actually, uh, Pokey's brother, Picky. And, uh, he says, uh, hey, everything's fine. I just got an, a letter for you from, uh, my brother. And it says, um, come and get me if you can, you loser. Loser. <laughs> And then it pops up the end with an ellipsis and then a question mark. And that's the end of the game. In fact, that's the end of the game because it never took me back to the main menu. It was just stuck there on the the end question mark screen. Yep, I thought it was like broken. I did too. <laughs> so I just turned it off and said, okay, well, I guess I'm done. Now, I have not played or even looked at Earthbound 3 or Mother 3, whatever they want to call it. Um, but 
I do know for a fact that Pokey is one of the main antagonists of Earthbound Bree. Makes sense. Um, but you do not play as anybody related to Ness at all, supposedly. <laughs> then it makes less sense. Yeah. Uh, and it has nothing to do with, I think, an alien invasion. I think Gygus is dead completely. Because Gygus does not show up at all in Earthbound 3, from what I can tell. So. Hmm. Final thoughts, Matt, on this game. Uh, not honestly, not that much has changed as we've gone week to week and played through this game. Right. All the things that I kind of liked about it in the beginning, I still like about it, and things that I don't even want to say I don't like them, but yeah, I guess I mean the things that I thought were a little bit weaker, I think that didn't really change. I do think the combat got better and better throughout the game as you get more and more options. Um, the very end of the game, I, I think it at least wraps up. I think the majority of the game, there's not really, you're not going necessarily in a direction, but at least if you link the first five minutes of the game and the last five minutes of the game, there's a, you know, a, a fairly standard progression and the sort of sense of accomplishment you know the bit of story that you get to start the game it is resolved so while there's not really any story to the game uh it it did end more or less satisfyingly uh i, I thought again uh, what i mentioned earlier i thought the final battle was actually weird because i thought that the lead up to it was so much more difficult than the fight itself and you don't really kill guy i guess you, and you don't really kill pokey either so uh, i don't know there's the praying does kill guy i guess so you you have accomplished something there although my favorite absolute favorite thing about the end was the when they pulled you into it because the game has been breaking the fourth wall since the first 5 minutes of the game also yeah but I really did like it actually when, you know, they said that, that I was praying for them because the one thing that it, that made me think of was the never ending story. Okay. You know, when, when Sebastian's reading the book and all of a sudden he sees himself referenced in the book and he freaks out. <laughs> Not to say that I felt that way, but had I been 10 and that had happened and maybe if I hadn't seen it coming, I would have been like, whoa, I'm in the game. <laughs> I'm affecting the game with my mind. Um, again, had a game done that, or a game could still come out today that would do that, that would be really, I don't know how it would do it, but if, if it could actually have you sort of unintentionally impacting the game, I think that would, that would be amazing. And that was sort of what was at least implied here. Um, so, they're actually- you know, I, I don't know. There actually is a game that re- that you're, you're talking about. Um, I have not played it. I know Jay has. He reviewed it. He absolutely mm-hmm. raved about it. Uh, Undertale. Uh, supposedly, oh, Underta- right. Undertale sees so many things that the player does throughout the game, and it turns it on its head. At least that's what I've heard. Now, the unfortunate thing about Undertale is that since I have heard all of this, I feel like I will see it coming. Yeah. 
Um, but I have heard nothing but great things about Undertale. And in fact, if you go and look at the history of Undertale, the guy who created it originally created a hack of Earthbound. <laughs> he uh, liked Earthbound so much that he created a different style of Earthbound um, that was more horror-themed. Um, I don't think it was as long as Earthbound. In fact, I think you can probably beat it in a few hours. But it definitely uses the Earthbound engine and stuff like that. Um, and I think that the final boss fight of Earthbound really influenced him on how he developed Undertale. Because that is a very unconventional way to fight a final boss. You know, throughout yep. this entire game and throughout most games, when you come to the final boss, it's going to be who's the fucking strongest. Instead, you're not actually doing damage to him. You're praying for him. Yeah, I can't tell you how many multiple bottle rockets I went and bought before the end fight, only to not use them in the hard part because I was saving them for the end boss. <laughs> So, um, and that's the thing about Undertale is that you can go throughout the entire game without killing a single character, without killing an enemy. You get into a battle with them and you can choose to have mercy on them. Hmm. So, like I said, I don't know anything of Undertale, so I've never played it. Um, I have seen some footage and stuff like that of it. Um, it's got some good music. I'll say that. Uh, but yeah, um, that, that, that would be the closest thing that I think that you would get to from what you were describing. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I was, as a kid, I was just obsessed with the never ending story. I mean, I, I would imagine that I'm not the only one there, but you know, being a kid that, that read a lot, especially, you know, I lived out in the middle of nowhere. I read a lot and you know, that idea at the time was just so revolutionary being like, becoming a part of the world there in the book and you know th this game does that to some degree right whereas you know earlier in the game it does a lot of fourth wall breaking but a lot of games do that that part wasn't what well, isn't that original necessarily yeah. at the time i guess it probably was but but yeah um my final thoughts i actually enjoyed this game a lot yeah me too i, I it's, it's well made it you know everything kind of fits. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. This yeah the the gameplay I think trumped everything in this game. Yeah, the sense of progression especially. Yeah, fantastic progression and just you know, I I think it was actually pretty well paced. You know, so typically JRPGs of this matter uh, would be we'd still be playing another twenty hours. I mean, this game. I like. How, do you know what you clocked in? Time wise, uh, uh, yes. 33 hours. Yeah, I would say probably around 25 to 30 hours for me. I don't know the exact number because there's no in-game clock or anything like that. So, um, and I didn't record it. So, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's definitely shorter than a lot of JRPGs out there. And I think that's just the perfect pace for this kind of game. There were a few times where I was like, man, this dungeon's far too fucking long. Um, but it didn't really matter to me because I was still having fun progressing. Yep. And this is, again, as, as I've mentioned a few times, the, the grinding in this game I thought was well as well done as grinding can, can be done, I think. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, if you look at games that came out around that time, if you died in battle, guess what? Last time you saved, that's where you're starting from. Yep. Or it can be just incredibly frustrating if there's random battles. You know, let me, let me, it's such a simple thing to me. Let me grind when I want to grind. Let me walk across the room when I want to do that. Don't force me to always do random battles every 10 seconds. Right. So, you know, and it, it's not that I'm going to do less battles if they're non-random because you, you have to do that in order to progress. You have to put in your time and grind, but as long as I can choose when and where I'm doing that, it's just, it's less cumbersome to me. Yeah. And the, uh, hit point counter is fucking brilliant. Yep. I think that is a brilliant mechanic that I think other games should utilize. I wish it had been used a little bit more in the game. You know, like we said, there was that one fight where you're fighting your nightmare self where managing that becomes the part of that fight, really. Right. Uh, had that been a little bit more a part of more of the boss fights, it would have stood out more to me as a mechanic than just as a kind of a novelty. Yeah. I never, but, <laughs> yeah, the, the boss fights in this game were kind of a joke. Never had any issues or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, all in all, I think it was a fun game. I'm glad I finally got it out of here. It's been sitting on yeah. my Wii U for years. Me too. It's a game I've always wanted to play. I've only heard good things. Uh, the, the only negative for me is that this would have been an absolute perfect game to play on a portable. Yeah. And I had my 2DS fired up and ready to go and couldn't do it. So thanks a lot, Nintendo. Yeah. You know, I played most of this looking at the uh, gamepad the entire time. I didn't even turn on my television. <laughs> so well, that works. Technically, it was kind of a portable game. I just didn't take it anywhere. <laughs> portable, I'm going all the way to my couch. Yep, sat on my couch and played Earthbound. But uh, I actually really enjoyed this game. It's it, it's simple, it's easy. Um, it's quirky. It, yeah, it's quirky. It's very colorful. Um, yeah, all in all, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's it for Earthbound. Um, It'll be a long time, if ever, before we get to uh, Mother Three. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't even know where to start from that one. I mean, they have made a fan translation, but I have no idea how to get a hands on it. Yeah. Um. That I, I I don't know what we're gonna do next. Like I I actually don't. We we have not planned that. Uh, the next thing we're going to be doing is actually talking with uh, a couple of guys you know uh, regarding uh, esports. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm guessing the week after next. Uh, yeah, uh, we will not have a show next week because I will be uh, gone on vacation. Going to be at the beach, living it up, living it up, getting drunk and sleeping in. Cannot that wait. That actually sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot wait to not wake up at 5 a.m. Because I do it every day. Um, which means sleeping in for me will be 7 a.m. Yeah, make it all the way to 7. Yeah, I'll make it all the way to 7. So, but you know what? That's fine by me. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we will not have a show next week. Um, we will be back next week, or the week after that, to, um, to discuss esports with a couple guys you know. Um, 
they they wanted to be on the show um and uh i don't know how we're gonna do this i'm I'm actually slightly nervous about it because i'm not the best interviewer yeah so they, they wanted to have a little planning session so i'm planning to meet up with them this weekend it uh it happens to be pre-release weekend for the new magic set right so in and around that, they're also having a little booth of sorts, I think, at an anime local anime convention. Okay. And running a tournament at one of the colleges here, so they they're we'll hear all about sort of what they're doing. But you know, I it is the kind of thing that I think is really cool that they're they're really trying to build an esports community in Memphis where there's not. I don't want to say there's not an esports community, but there's not sort of any visibility for that if, if it was something that you wanted to be a part of, right. be it fighting games or League of Legends or, you know, what, whatever. So, you know, I I certainly support what they're trying to do, and they're certainly putting as much time in as they possibly can using some some technology along the way. So, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. Cool. It's, you know, it'd, it'd be more interesting. I wish I wish these guys were around when I was in high school. Doing something like this, right? Well, that's I'm I'm I'll be glad to talk to them about anything. So whatever they want to talk about, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean that's uh that's going to be it for us. Uh, I thank everybody for listening. Um, you can uh, follow us all on Twitter. I'm at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ZTG Phoenix Down. Uh, you can also send us emails. No emails for uh, Earthbound. I'm surprised. There's many people who claim they love this game. Nobody send us an email. I don't. Have we ever played a game this long? I'm sure we have, but it, I feel like it's been a while since we played a game that went four parts where we didn't get a single email. I know. Nah, I. You know. I don't know. It's been a long time, but yeah, Ness was just dropped in relevance. I guess so. But yeah, uh, you can send an email. It's Drew at ZTGD.com. Uh, you can, you know, if you want to suggest games to us, you can. Uh, there's a couple of them that we have on in our minds. We had a list at the beginning of the year what we'd like to do, and we've actually stuck to that list pretty damn well. Um, but yeah, we're definitely open to suggestions. Um, but that's about it for us. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, but until then, I'm Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a great one. And we'll be back in a couple weeks to talk with Matt's friends about esports.
Jesus.